We have come uh, on our journey to the last, uh, the last part of it, and uh, none too soon, right, uh, in a certain respect, right? We're thinking we have had many services and lots of, lots of refreshments, except on Yom Kippur, but then we make up for it at night, you know, and have like four times as much, right? Uh, and so this has been, uh, you know, uh, quite a journey. But hopefully it's more than services and own eggs and, you know, that, that kind of thing. Hopefully uh, this has been a journey of, uh, of returning, so to speak, uh, of teshuvah, uh, of, of returning to the Lord, right? And we should always be returning. We should always be repenting. Right? We should always be forgiving. We should always be reconciled or reconciling. Right? But God gives us, in His grace and His mercy, He gives us a time of year to focus, uh, to focus on this. And it is the time of year uh, in ancient times, agriculturally, as we know that it was the end of the year and it was the beginning of the year. Uh, in the fall, the end of the rainy season, the, I, I mean the the end of the harvest and the beginning of the rainy season. And we have talked all about that. We've talked all about um, how we blow the shofar to wake us up, you know, and, and have that process of repentance. Uh, and then uh, uh, during the 10 days of awe, we look introspectively in, into our lives and we ask forgiveness, we receive uh, forgiveness, we, we forgive uh, others, uh, and when, so when we come to uh, Yom Kippur, it is a time of being reconciled uh, uh, to God. And then we move on to uh, uh, Sukkot, the beginning of Sukkot, and it is certainly a time of joyous uh, renewal, and we celebrate that. And so when we come to the end of, uh, of Sukkot, it is really a, a time uh, of, of reflecting on, on that joy. And it's very interesting that our ancient ancestors picked this time of year to come to the end of Devarim, uh, to come to the end of Deuteronomy. Uh, not only this time of year, but this night. Uh, because as you know, uh, uh, if you were here last Shabbat, on the Shabbat of uh, of Sukkot, we interrupt the weekly readings uh, of Torah, uh, and we don't read the end of Deuteronomy then, we read Exodus chapter 33 and 34. So we save up the end of Devarim, the end of Deuteronomy, for this night. And then always on the Shabbat after Sukkot is all done, and, uh, and this holiday, Simchas Torah, is all done, we come to Breshit, we come to the beginning of Genesis. So always, we come to the conclusion on this night. And, uh, and of course, the conclusion is chapter 34 of Deuteronomy. But really, you could say that the end of the Torah is really the end of chapter 33. Because the end of chapter 33 is really the conclusion. It's the last thing that Moses says. And it's pretty big. What Moses says at the end of chapter 33 of uh, Deuteronomy. And then chapter 34 is about his death. 
So uh, now, probably Moses did not write about his death. Okay? Although, you know, all things are possible with God. All right? But my guess is, is that he didn't write chapter 34. All right? Uh, and so the last thing that happens is chapter 33. Now, of course, the temptation is to really go to town on this, but I won't. All right? But I do want you to notice a couple of interesting things about it, just in general. One is, notice what it says at the beginning of chapter 33. Now, this is the blessing which Moses, the man of God, blessed the sons of Israel before his death. So this is similar to another passage of Scripture, and that is uh, Genesis chapter 49. Uh, And we see that before Jacob dies, he blesses blesses his sons. Right, And so here in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 33, before Moses dies, he blesses the tribes. They're not his sons. He's in one of the tribes. He's a, a son of Israel himself, right? And he blesses the tribes. Now, what's uh, interesting about chapter 33 is, you know, Moses has been the bearer of bad news uh, along the way here. And of course, in chapter 32, uh, I mean, I hope that you have read in, during your life sometime uh, the end of Deuteronomy, because it ends with a bang, you know, uh, the song of Moses in chapter 32, and the blessing over the tribes in chapter 33. So in chapter 32, what he says is, and he really is sort of saying this all the way from chapter 29 and 30 and 31 and 32, is that I'm not going with you into the land And I know you well enough that I know that you're going to forget all about God. And so I'm writing to you to remind you, I'm writing this down to remind you that God is never going to leave you or forsake you. And I'm sure that there'll be a remnant of you who will believe and who will trust. But when things go south for you because of sin, I want you to be able to read this so you know that God is chastening you, but that he'll bring you back to the land, right? That's basically what he writes. But now in chapter 33, it's like all good. He writes these uh, beautiful blessings to the tribes. And what I want to read and just focus on for a couple of minutes is the very beginning and the very end of the uh, chapter, the introduction and the end. And you can read about the tribes themselves. And of course, you do know that I will just say one thing about one uh, one of the tribes. And it is very interesting. It has to do with the tribe of uh, 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 Asher. And this is just food for thought. In verse 24, when it says, And of Asher, he said, More blessed are the sons of Asher, that he may be, be, may be favored by his brothers and may dip his foot in oil. Well, that day is going to come, my friends. Never mind. Okay. All right. So think about the Middle East. Think about oil. Think about Israel. Just rather interesting. Okay. All right. Now let's go back to the beginning of the chapter. Okay? Uh, Now, so we read here in verse 2. And he said, The Lord came from Sinai and dawned on them from Seir. He shone forth from Mount Paran, and he came from the midst of 10,000 holy ones. At his right hand there was flashing lightning for them. Indeed, he loves the people. All thy holy ones are in his hand. 
and they followed in thy steps, everyone receives of thy words. Moses charged us with a law, a possession for the assembly of Jacob. And he was king in Yeshurun, when the heads of the people were gathered, and the tribes of Israel together. Now, you know, it's a little uh, ambiguous when it says here in verse 5, and he was a king in Yeshurun. But conventional wisdom, uh, what most believe, and what makes most sense, is that when it says, and he was king in Yeshurun, that's not talking about Moses. Moses is never ever referred to as a king and did not see himself as a, uh, as a king. But God uh, is the king. Uh, most certainly, uh, if you go back to uh, Exodus uh, chapter 15, the song of Moses and the great victory over the Egyptians, you read that, that he shall reign forever and ever. You read uh, that God is described as the king. In other words, that he is the king. Pharaoh is not the king. God is the king. Uh, and clearly, uh, also uh, in the poem of, uh, of uh, Balaam, the poems of Balaam, we see that God is described as a king. Uh, and going back, we could also make a case that in the poem in Genesis 49, when Jacob blesses his sons, God is, is portrayed or described as king. Okay? Uh, and so it is very interesting here that at the end of Deuteronomy, quite clearly, God is called the king. Now, when you go to the end of the chapter, beginning in verse 26, uh, you again read this, the name Yeshurun, which is sort of like a, uh, a name of intimacy that God has uh, for, for Israel. And he returns to that in verse 26. It says, There is none like the God of Yeshurun, who rides the heavens to your help, and through the skies of his majesty, the eternal God is a dwelling place. And underneath are the, ever, are, are the everlasting arms. And he drove out the enemy from before you, and said, Destroy. So Israel dwells in security, the fountain of Jacob secluded, in a land of grain and new wine. His heavens also drop down dew. Blessed are you, O Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord, who is like the shield of your help and the sword of your majesty. So your enemies shall cringe before you, and you shall tread upon their high places. Those are really the last words of the Torah, and how great they are. Uh, speaking of the power of God, the one who rides the heavens to your help, and through the skies to his majesty. Uh, and then speaking of the everlasting or the eternal arms of God who drives out uh, the enemy. And then speaking of Israel dwelling in security. And then when you come to the end in verse 29, uh, you read some familiar words, but they're, they're, uh, they're spoken a little bit differently. When it says, who is like you, uh, a people saved by the Lord? It sounds like, you know, who is like you, uh, God, right? But here it says, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord? 
Who is the shield of your help? The sword of your majesty. So it speaks of the kingship of God, the power of God. And so the Torah ends, the very last words of Moses are, remember that God is your king. And remember that, uh, you know, he has the heavens in his hand. Uh, and the earth in his hand, in the sense that your enemies shall cringe before you and you shall tread upon their high places and that you dwell in security. And he talks about uh, the land of grain and new wine and, and all of that. So he talks about heaven and earth and he talks about uh, security and that God is indeed the king. Well, what's interesting about this is, is that, and we'll, we'll read this tonight, that we'll also go back to the beginning of Bresh to Breshit. And uh, at the very beginning of Genesis, when we read, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, and, uh, and, and just stopping there, we see that when we read, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, this is, um, this is scandalous if we were living... 5,000 years ago, this would be scandalous because uh, what uh, all of this, the creation stories surrounding uh, Israel entailed was gods fighting among themselves and the victor uh, goes to, to the victor goes the spoils. But here it begins with, and it's very important that we don't read about the creation of God or the beginning of God but just that God created, right? Breshit bara Elohim. In the beginning, God created the sky and the land, the heavens and the earth, and everything in between. That's what that means, you know, that he created everything. And that means he's the Lord of everything. That means he's the king of everything from the very beginning, from the get-go. See? And so whether we're talking about Breshit or Acherit, right? We're from the beginning to the end. God is indeed the king. And some would say that it's even a play on words in Hebrew. Uh, because in the beginning, or the beginning can be written differently. Uh, but Bereshit and Acherit, that you read about the beginning and the end. Uh, God is indeed the king. Uh, and, and it's very interesting because at the end of Deuteronomy, which is also true in the poem, uh, in all the poems, in uh, uh, chapter 49 of Genesis, in chapter 15 of, uh, of uh, Exodus, in chapter 24 of Numbers, and in Deuteronomy chapter uh, 33, in these poems, uh, God is pictured as the eternal king. Uh, and it is a glimpse of the, the new heavens and the new earth all the way here in the book of Genesis. And because certainly when you read here in verse 28 and 29 of Deuteronomy 33, So Israel dwells in security, the fountain of Jacob secluded, in a land of grain and new wine. His heavens also drop down dew. Blessed are you, O Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord, who is the shield of your help, the sword of your majesties, so your enemies shall cringe before you and you shall tread upon their high places. That doesn't happen in totality until Yeshua returns. And so what we have here 
uh, is a, an assurance from the very beginning, from the very beginning of the Bible, uh, that God is indeed our, our King, that God oversees the creation of mankind, the sustenance of mankind, the calling out of Abraham, and the vision and the plan and the mission uh, of Israel to this very day. And we are still in the palm of his hand, uh, looking forward to a new day, to a new heaven and a new earth. And, uh, and so without going into all the details of, of, uh, uh, of God displaying himself in his kingship all the way through the, the uh, Torah, what we have here is, as we have here in Deuteronomy 33, the end of the story. And so it's appropriate for us when we come to the end of this, we come to the end of the journey of the high holy days, and in a little bit bigger, we come to the end of the, the cycle of a whole year of a Torah reading that we can rejoice uh, that we have, as it were, uh, an appetizer of all of this, that we know that Yeshua is our king, that Yeshua came to be uh, indeed our king, and we know that he dwells within us. We know that his Torah dwells within us. We know that we are secure uh, in him, uh, and we know that the, the, the ultimate enemy has indeed uh, been uh, defeated, and so we can truly rejoice when we come to the very last words uh, of, uh, of, of Deuteronomy, the very last words of, of Moses uh, in uh, Deuteronomy. Certainly, when we think about this, there's none like the God of Yeshurun who rides the heavens to your help. Well, let us rejoice tonight in remembering that, that no matter where we are in life, no matter what, our situation may be, no matter what our circumstances may be, this, behold your God, you know, uh, indeed, uh, here he is. There is none like the God of Yeshurun, and that is indeed who Yeshua is. Uh, and he defeats the enemy, and we are secure in him. So tonight, as we uh, walk around with the Torah, as we um, uh, rejoice, and as we sing a lot of songs, let us rejoice that we have been delivered from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved son. And King Yeshua is indeed the one whom we worship, the one who assures our future uh, in him. And so let's pray, uh, and then we will uh, begin our Torah service. Lord, thank you, God, tonight for this great word Lord, thank you that while Moses tells it like it is, tells it like it is, and he doesn't even get to go in the land, thank you, Lord, for these fantastic words that he, his last, the last thing the people remember when they go into the land, the very last words of Moses is, your enemies shall cringe before you and you shall tread upon their high places. Thank you, Lord, for this great word. And thank you, Lord, just as the children of Israel heard these words, perhaps, as they entered the land. So we thank you, Lord, that Yeshua uh, has said to us, uh, you know, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Be continue to believe in God. Continue to believe in me. For I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And then I'm going to come back for you. May we remember those words 
uh, as we live out our lives. May we be encouraged to know that you never leave us, that you never forsake us, that you have indeed become the atonement for our sins. And now we can be the men and women you've called us to be here. And then we look forward to that day of resurrection and new heaven and new earth. Lord, may our celebration tonight of your Torah be, as it were, the, the beginnings of the kind of rejoicing that we'll have when you are standing in our midst, Lord, and, uh, and, and sin is finally vanquished. We pray and we thank you and we look forward to that. In Yeshua's name, amen.